Welcome to CMS On Air, the podcast on migration and refugee issues, brought to you by the Center for Migration Studies of New York. I'm Emma Winters, CMS's Communications Coordinator. This is the fourth episode of a series, Accompanying Immigrants in the COVID-19 Era, How Catholic Ministries Are Transforming Successful Programs. In this episode, you will hear about Dominican University, a Catholic higher education institution with a special commitment to immigrants. Here to share the university's history as an immigrant-serving institution, why the university adopted a sanctuary campus covenant, and the challenges presented by the COVID-19 pandemic, racism, and restrictionist immigration policies, is Donna Carroll, the president of Dominican University. Donna Carroll has led Dominican University for 27 years, and been honored with numerous awards for her work with immigrant students, including the Strangers No Longer Award from the Archdiocese of Chicago and the Moral Courage Award from Faith in Public Life. She spoke with Kevin Appleby in August and at the Center for Migration Studies Catholic Immigrant Integration Initiative Conference in October. Here's CMS's conversation with Donna Carroll. Well, thank you everyone for joining uh, the Center for Migration Studies podcast today. Uh, Today we have a special guest, President Donna Carroll of Dominican University in River Forest, Illinois. In your tenure, the the size of the university has grown. The university has received great recognition as, as a top college in the Midwest, and a lot of that is due to your efforts. But, uh, attendant to the topic we have today, you've been recognized uh, as a leader in reaching out to uh, immigrant students, immigrant populations, educating them, form, forming them, um, and integrating them into U.S. Um, society. And uh, we are grateful to have you here and to have your experience to tell us a little bit about what Dominican has done in the past with regard to immigrant students and and what you're doing currently and, and what your vision is with regard to immigrant students, including undocumented students. Um, so welcome, uh, President Carroll. The first question I have for you is, 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 could you give us just a little history of Dominican? I'm sure I didn't represent it uh, comprehensively, especially as it relates to foreign-born students and, and your outreach to them and to welcoming them to uh, Dominican. I'd be delighted to do that. And, and thank you for inviting me. It's, um, this is a topic that, um, I feel very, about which I feel deeply. And so I'm always, um, delighted to, um, to have these conversations and, and to try to move this agenda forward in, in a responsible way, particularly in this climate and at this time. Um, I'm Dominican formerly Rosary College, formerly St. Clara College, formerly St. Clara Academy, um, really traces its roots back to um, the service of immigrant communities. Um, once upon a time, um, in its original location in Cincinnati, Wisconsin, that immigrant community were the Irish coal miners of the upper Midwest. Um, and, and Samuel Mazzucchelli, who was the founding father of the Cincinnati Dominican Congregation, was deeply committed to providing education for women and men in that community um, and was very 
conscious of the cultural context for that education. In fact, in addition to working with lead miners, he also worked with the Native Americans in that area and insisted that the education be provided to them in their own language. So he, he was one of those early pioneers of what we today call language access. So Dominican has stands on the shoulders of some great pioneering educators relative to first generation to college immigrant communities. And, and that has been our history, um, no matter the location and no matter the time. The, the student profile has changed. You know, we were Irish lead miners. When I first arrived um, at Rosary College in 1994, um, our immigrant community was sub substantially Polish families and, and Italian families. And then as, as the demographic of Chicago has changed, as, as we've seen migration south and west, um, the west side of Chicago has seen a, an enormous growth in our Latinx families and communities. And so I like to think of Dominican University as having a multicultural identity that is currently aligned with a Latinx profile. And so there, there's a, a long history of being responsive to immigrant communities. We have been uh, an HSI, a Hispanic serving institution since 2011. We are currently 50% first generation to college undergrads, 50% Latinx students, and 50% Pell eligible students. So we, we are proud of our strong social mobility index um, and the high graduation rates we have for first generation to college students of lower income, often students of color, a variety of um, immigrant backgrounds. Thank you, that's a helpful history. Let's fast forward a little bit to, to the current day. Um, I was interested in, in seeing that you have a sanctuary campus covenant, which, I, which strikes me as very unique among colleges and universities. Could you explain what the Sanctuary Campus Covenant is and, and how that plays out at Dominican? Absolutely. Um, we, actually, we actually have two Sanctuary Campus documents that um, direct policy and many of our programs and our outreach. Um, and, and it's interesting that we're talking about it now because it, these documents bookend this political chapter. Dominican has been a strong advocate um, for undocumented students for many, many years. And so in 2016, with all of the challenge to DACA and the, the concerns about deportation and, and the general feeling of attack and, and disenfranchisement that many of our immigrant families and particularly our undocumented students felt at that point. The university was really looking to make um, a strong statement of support. And so in 2016, um, we, we introduced what we called our Sanctuary Campus Resolution. 
And what was particularly important about this document was not only the content, but the process. It was recommended through our Climate Equity and Inclusion Committee. It was approved by both the Staff Assembly and the Faculty Senate, and, and it made its way up to a formal board resolution. So the entire campus community had made a strong public commitment to be a place of welcome, a place of safety, a place of belonging um, for all marginalized students, but in particular, those undocumented students who were struggling so valiantly at that point. And so that initial resolution became um, the umbrella for, for a great deal of work the institution has done since then, resulting in what we recently passed, which is we call our Sanctuary Campus Covenant, which um, you know reflects a greater understanding of the systemic issues around marginalized student groups. It expands our public statement of commitment to to the moment and the time. You know, it's it's a stronger anti-racism statement. There's a greater critical consciousness in this document and a stronger commitment to collective action. It aligns with our strategic plan which um, is titled Creating a World of Difference. And it, it has much more specificity on how we might address recruitment, policy, faculty training and development um, in, in what continues to be a, a very challenging time, not only for undocumented students, but, but for um, students and families um, across many different identities and issues. Thank you, and I encourage our listeners to go on your website and to look at the Sanctuary Campus Covenant. Um, you, you made reference to some you know, the challenges that marginalized students might face. Could you talk a little bit about what are some of the challenges that a foreign-born student, an immigrant student, a student who's otherwise marginalized might face in obtaining their education, and, and, you know, what Dominican University does to help them meet that challenge. Often, we don't think about maybe what the challenges are for those who are in a more vulnerable position than the rest of us may be, and, and how some of those challenges uh, can be daunting. And so anything you can share on how the university responds to the unique uh, experience of the immigrant student and, and the unique re realities that they face uh, as they attempt to get their education? Well, I should start by saying it, it's a humbling challenge for all of us. And, um, and the answers are evolving and some we can control and, and shape and change and, and others um, are poignant because they're, they're outside our control. I would group it in a number of different buckets. The financial and policy obstacles to successfully completing a, a, a college degree are, are significant. And I think one of the places that Dominican makes an enormous contribution um, very tangibly is, is financial. Know that we know that most of our undocumented students um, 
don't have access to the federal dollars, be the grants or loans that other students do. Only recently have have Illinois undocumented students had access to any MAP-related money. So, so one of the things that we try to do is make it financially possible for students not only to attend, but to persist to graduation. But the challenge is, is so much bigger because undocumented students face so many family pressures. Um, there, there are so many um, quiet biases in terms of COVID-19 right now. Healthcare for undocumented students is an enormous challenge and, and one that's easily compromised by the fact that many families don't want to step forward and ex- expose their status in order to get healthcare. Challenges that we might imagine are complex for us already are often uh, much more complex for an undocumented student. Then you have um, you have all those other cultural and environmental challenges. I mean, these these days we're we're describing it very often as uh, as a hierarchy of values that in many cases and in many communities um, first generation to college students uh, students of color um, feel that they are valued less that their experience is is perceived as less worthy that their their opportunities are narrowed by history and and experience and one of the things that Dominican tries to do <laughs> imperfectly and and um, always um, striving is to create a sense of belonging, to let our students know that um, they are assets, not only for the institution, but once they graduate for this changing glo- inter- interdependent global world. They're not charity to the institution. In fact, the reverse is true, that, that their contributions, their determination, their, their sense of purpose, their commitment to family and community are, are characteristics that, that strengthen the Dominican community at large and, um, and enrich our experience. So we, we work very hard to value the heritage the talents and the possibilities of all of our students and create an environment where they feel not only welcome, but challenged and um, where they feel there are, are real opportunities. We try to be very practical. We try to understand the law and policy and where there are limits for undocumented students and how we advise them on careers and opportunities so we're not just adding to their frustration, but we're helping them bridge to very real opportunities. And we, and we talk to them about where there are risks. You go through, in many cases, a nursing program or in many cases, a, a medical studies program. And can you sit for credentialing? In some states, yes. In other states, no. Sometimes now, but not before, or maybe not tomorrow. So um, we have to be encouraging, but practical, supportive, 
without um, being disingenuous about the challenges. And always, I like to think with a, a sense of hope. One of the most challenging elements, particularly for undocumented students, is how long this limbo has persisted and how for every two steps forward, there's a step back. And how do you, how do you re retain resilience when, um, when progress is not linear and always forward moving? So um, we, try, we try to be encouraging, caring, and, and vocal in our advocacy. You know, I think one of the reasons that we see so many undocumented students at Dominican is because we speak up on their behalf. Um, we accompany them through their journey and um, we value who they are and what they might contribute. Thank you for that. If you don't mind, just briefly, I wanted to ask you about your DACA students. I know um, the American public is is more... Uh, educated on immigration because of the DACA students. They're in a precarious situation legally, uh, depending on the whim of our political leaders. So could you talk a little bit about uh, how many DACA students you may have and, and what, what special challenges they're facing? About 10% of Dominican's undergraduate student body is undocumented. Most of those students have uh, are DACA students. And so this is um, not only an extensive commitment to the institution, but we have critical mass and critical mass creates a sense of community that creates um, a sense of persistence. And, and that and that's important. The question that people usually don't ask me, though, and I think it's the more important numbers question is how many undocumented or documented students apply to Dominican that you can't accept because of some of the financial constraints. Mm. I, was, I was asking our admissions uh, director that the other day. And um, this year, we will have 40 to 50 new freshmen, uh, DACA or undocumented students. We probably had 300 to 350 qualified undocumented students apply. Um, and he felt if money was no object, we would have had two or three times the number of students we have. But we simply, to adequately fund uh, more than those 40 or 50 students who will, who will join us. So it's um, about 10% of our undergraduates, but um, but if there were other colleague institutions that would help more aggressively, um, I can guarantee them I can give them another 300 uh, freshmen that would, would jump at the opportunity for a private Catholic education. Hmm. So I want to ask you now about um, the, the current um, state of our nation with regard to immigrants uh, on, on two levels. Um, First, of course, you, you, you referenced the COVID pandemic, and I know that has an impact on marginalized communities who don't have the access to health care and how that might impact immigrant students. But also, you know, and not to be partisan, but the, the current political leadership and administration is certainly hasn't been friendly to immigrant communities. 
Could you talk a little bit about how that is overall with the pandemic plus the enforcement mentality of our current administration, how that has made your job more difficult because it's, you know, first of all, created more fear in immigrant communities, but also put them in a position where their health is at risk even. How how has the university responded to these outside factors that are are difficult to control uh, and how they impact immigrant students? We, um, we have a number of Title V grants. I'm, I'm straying a little bit as, as context. And one of them is supporting a fairly substantial faculty pedagogy initiative that is helping us reshape our curriculum to be more critically conscious and multicultural in, in our delivery. The speaker who was talking to us last week said something very provocative to me, and it's not my own, so I'm, I'm giving him credit. He said, he said there, are, there are three pandemics we're facing right now. You know, one, one is COVID-19. The, the other is this, this painful evolution of, of bias and, and that is bubbled to a point of violence, particularly in Chicago and other communities. Um, and then there, then there are the economic consequences. So I, I think one of the things that we need to consider um, when we think of an, an immigrant student or an immigrant family or an undocumented student is that they are affected by those three pandemics. There's a lack of racial empathy. They surely have, often by the community they're in, but by the lack of health care, um, higher probability of being affected by by COVID nineteen, and then their you know they, you know their job prospects of their family, their access to um, an income, which for for so many immigrant families is m- month by month, job by job. I mean, one of the things that people ask me often as now as we're planning to reopen is why are you reopening? You know, aren't students sheltered in in place? Well, in fact, the truth is many of our students have never had the, the privilege to stop working. In fact, um, in many cases, a mother or father has lost a job and they've had to step in and work more hours at Target or um, at, a, at the community store where they live. So this is a student body in a family cluster that um, is, is right on the line facing these this triple pandemic. What do we try to do? We try to be supportive. We we try to intervene with emergency funding when we can. Um, we're critically aware of the mental health challenges that evolve with all of this pressure and try to be formally supportive, but also to, to have faculty and staff that have a particular sensitivity and a willingness to to be supportive. I, I think that's one of the things that a, a Catholic university does well. We have a strong sense of commitment to the whole person and a desire to not only see that whole person, but to respect their dignity and to to um, live in solidarity with with them. So I I think we create an environment that is safer, not safe, but and supportive in a very difficult time. I mean, this is this is a toxic political environment. 
there is there is no other way to describe it. And for so many of our students, particularly our DACA students, who have who have gone on the record, who have exposed um, their location, their you know their name, their um, their, their families in some cases, uh, we try to understand what it means to live day in and day out with that lack of security, with that that fear of making their families um, vulnerable. And we and we encourage you know we encourage their voice. Somebody asked me the other day, how is all this changing how students um, how students react? I said they'll be louder. You know, I expect our students to be louder. Listening to those student voices is an important piece of Donna Carroll's leadership style and the formation of Dominican University's mission. Here she is at CMS's Catholic Immigrant Integration Initiative Conference in October. We have to start with understanding how the perspective is changing. You know, I've, I, right after the Supreme Court decision, one of our um, DACA leaders wrote a, uh, an op-ed piece for the um, Chicago Defender. And, and he, in it, he talked about how when his sister first got her DACA, um, he remembered that she said with, with really real enthusiasm, I feel like I exist. You know, that, that identity issue was so important. Then you fast forward eight years, you know, to the threat of rescinding DACA, to the pol- toxic political environment, to all the economic and health disparities. And Carlos, this young man, he reflected and said, I realized that unlike my sister, I'm not looking to be humanized. I'm looking for justice. And I think it's it's important for all of us working with immigrants and particularly with undocumented students to realize that the narrative has changed and to realize that um, what's going on now, especially for our civically engaged um, DACA students and others, is that everything's magnified. You know, and the triggers are sh- shorter and the the voices of students are louder and 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 that's not inappropriate because it, it's a very threatening time. And and the other factor that's changing, at least at Dominican, is that once upon a time um, they were single issues. And now what I'm seeing is that, you know, students talk about intersectionality, but we're we're seeing we're seeing that no student wants to be recognized as a single dimension. I am an undocumented or I am, you know, this or that. They're, they're really looking at integrating the different identities in their lives and, and allying together <laughs> around those identities in, in a very different way. And I think we have to adjust our, our narrative and our services to their, their sense of integration. So as one example, one of the things that um, Dominican is doing right now and, and our students is we've established this new center and the students named it. It's our Center for Cultural Liberation. 
And it's bringing together students across differences to really um, dialogue about their, their identity and really to empower one another. And it's, um, it's been, exciting, ex been exciting to see. Um, and, it, and they're also supporting one another. I mean, I think anybody working with undocumented students knows that um, their inability to, to participate in the CARES Act uh, initiative recently was a very wounding and, and personal slight. And so that, that these types of gatherings help, help us um, help have students helping each other and and actually they they came to me and as a result I went to the board and we we introduced something called the um, trustees COVID relief fund and we provided for all of our undocumented students as as we would for any student who would have have access to CARES Act so I guess I start by saying um, we have to recalibrate our perspective understand where students are right now understand their advocacy for justice and their sense of intersectionality and then build services from there. And that's what, that's what Dominican is trying to do at this point. I have one, one final question, and then I'll let you have some closing remarks. Um, you know, you're the president of a great university and you have incredible knowledge of this issue. Uh, if you were, president of our country and we're sitting in the Oval Office, and I'm not going to ask you to list 10 things, but maybe two or three things you would put on your immigration agenda, what, what would those be? Goodness, I guess, um, you know, to see the possibilities and not the limits. I mean, I, I say this again and again, that, you know, that 99.9% .9 of of our immigrant families and our undocumented families are contributing to the growth of the country. And, and we will be better and we will have greater capacity with their contribution. It's often like we talk about love. You don't have to cut it into pieces, small pieces. It, it blossoms. I, I think the, that the contributions of our our immigrant families and our undocumented families will only make us richer. You know, we have to get our act together and, and make progress and, and recognize that. Um, and it's, it's irresponsible of us, this country that has so much wealth and so much intellectual capacity um, and, and has demonstrated an ability to compromise on other issues for us not to, um, craft a pathway to immigration. It's 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 overdue, and it's um, and it's if we want to talk about criminals, it is criminal of us not to resolve this. Uh, President Carroll, did you have any any final comments for our listeners, and also where where our listeners could go to contribute to the university's mission mission in any way uh, as well? Um, that would that would be helpful. What have, what have I learned over many, many years of doing this work um, that you can't compartmentalize? You know, once upon a time, my focus was narrowly 
on the experience of um, our undocumented students. And I learned that um, that's not possible because so many of our students come from blended families, multi-generational families and experiences, so that um, as, as an active advocate for undocumented students, I also have to be an advocate for constructive immigration reform as a whole. And, and the other thing I, I think I've learned and I would encourage other people to recognize is no student is one issue. Any individual student is, is not merely undocumented. He or she has different talents, disciplines, different backgrounds, comes from different racial histories. And, and we need to focus on all of that and um, to, to celebrate what that means at Dominican, you know, and, and, and for our future. Um, there's a lot of talent out there. Um, and um, shame on us if we don't provide opportunity for that talent to make a contribution. President Donna Carroll, thank you for your leadership, for being with us today, and uh, for your contributions and the contribution of Dominican University to the, to the common good of all. If you want to learn more about Dominican University, please visit dom.edu. CMS On Air's theme music is provided by The Music Case. For more podcasts like this one, you can follow CMS On Air on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. To find a full transcript of this episode or get more information on CMS's research, publications, and events, visit us at cmsny.org.